Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 85. This Friday in Minneapolis, stand-up comedy with me, Chris Hardwick, at the Varsity Theater. It's about as radio voicey as I get. Do come to that show, though, if you are in Minneapolis. Also, a ton of other shows coming up if you go to Nerdist.com. You can see the upcoming stand-up schedule, shows in Detroit, Seattle, Brooklyn, Dallas, Meltdown here in L.A., also, uh, the book The Nerdist Way is available for pre-order right now on Amazon.com. That is also on the website Nerdist.com, which I own. Uncomfortably long hugs go to our sponsor for this episode, Hover.com. Hover is all about making domain registration simple. So a lot of domain registration sites are shells to sell you other services. That is not the case with Hover. They just want to register your domain and help you manage it. They have a no-hold policy for customer service calls Monday through Friday from 9 to 8 p.m. When you call, you get a live person. They will not put you on hold. You can set up email addresses, forward email addresses, redirect domains to other website addresses, create URL extensions, set privacy controls. Um, They will also give you who is privacy for free. So go to Hover.com, H-O-V-E-R, slash Nerdist, and get 10% off using the offer code Nerdist. Thank you so much to Hover for their support. And now the Nerdist podcast number 85 with Damon Lindelof. Oh, it's a good one. Now entering Nerdist.com. And we are recording. All right. We did it. We did it. Um, we are we're coming to you not live from the... <laughs> live to tape, just like the Cosby show. <laughs> live to tape. Yeah, so get, get out your old reel-to-reels. Yeah, that's what everyone knew the Cosby show for, being live to tape. I always yep, remember that's that right. before it was recorded for uh, a live studio audience. Boy, every time that the Rudy only thing would, I think of every time that Rudy would come down the stairs lip-syncing a song that she was too young to have known. <laughs> Comedy gold. There were three Rudys, I believe. <laughs> what? No. Yeah, there she was triplets. Keisha Knight uh, Polium and then her sister Victoria. No, Knight-Polis. really? No, of course not. I'm just Oh god. You just you just almost <laughs> you melted just my ruined mind. My childhood. Damon Lindelof, was, our guest today on the around, Nerdist Podcast. It was around the same time as like Milo and Otis. If yeah. one of them died, they just throw the other one in. We it's need another those, Otis. Yeah. It's, it's it's one of those viable rumors though that you actually because you know there were several Olsen twins, you basically go there could have been three Rudies. I was like yeah, the other yeah. one was Victoria Knight Pulliam. Right. Like every, they were all just Knight Pulliam. I remember when Full House, when there was like, you know, you find out that like, uh, I never understood why it said Mary Kate Ashley Olsen. I was like, that's a really long, weird name. Right. And then you find out that they're twins. And then, uh, and then I remember when they, when uh, Uncle Jesse and uh, Rebecca had twins. I thought that was the most weird meta. So then did they, did they have to get quadruplets to swap them out? Yeah, exactly. I think they got triplets like, or something. No, they had the, for they those were quadruplets. Kids? Hey, all fucking babies look the same. The, yeah. the fact that you're referring to them by their character names is a little <laughs> Uncle Jesse, Just, Rebecca. You want to say John Stamos? John Stamos. And the, and well, actually, John and Stamos was played by himself Lori and Loughlin. Ephraim Stamos, his yeah. brother. Yeah. At the same time. Also true. Swap, yes. swapped them also out. True. And Lori Laughlin from the movie Rad. Oh, Lori Laughlin. What about the later episodes when Mary Kate and Ashley would play this like? Opposite personalities of, you know, you got it, dude. Anyway, you got it, it dude. Like yeah. Superman, yeah. different Superman. Sure, like dream sequence. Though. I hear they're uh, rebooting Full House. Another another <laughs> reboot. That's not true. Uh, Lori Laughlin. You know, she was married to Massimo, the guy who started Massimo Clothing. Oh, really? Yep. 
The other Stussy? Massimo? The, yeah, exactly. I don't think they're together anymore. Uh... But we're not here to gossip about Lori Loughlin. <laughs> Are we? Really? What am, I, what am that, I doing here? Guys, save it for the Loughlin cast. Uh, yes, the Loughlin exactly. Right. Our other podcast, Loughcast. Yeah, Loughcast. Yeah. From, from, from Loughlin, Nevada. From La- <laughs> Damon Lindelof. <laughs> You're the best, man. We did, a, uh, we did a panel with you at Meltdown Comics. Oh, probably like three years ago now, or two or three years ago. Yeah, it was, two. I think, about two years ago. Yeah, I was. it was before Web Soup ever started up. And uh, it was season four of Lost? Somewhere like in the cracks between seasons four and five. I remember it was on at the time because like it, we the, the, the actual like panel was during like when the episode was on TV. That's right. Yes. And it yeah. was uh, when our friends who did uh, comics on comics, right? Yeah. And then yeah. Uh, Doug Benson was there as well. Yeah. I think it was right after the strike. That's my, that's my memory of that it. That sounds about right. Man. That seems right, yeah. But it was really, it was really fun, and and uh, and we talked a lot about Walking Dead. Yeah. And, then and Jeff Katz got real sweaty. Jeff Katz got all sweaty because <laughs> people were asking him Wolverine questions. <laughs> no, oh, he, right? Yeah. Someone's like, "Hey, I was wondering." He's like, "Before anyone says it," and then he just like berates the crowd for not being angry yet at him. <laughs> I remember that. Was he, like he wanted to make it very clear that it was that Wolverine was not his fault. That even though he was the studio person, <laughs> that the studio like uh, they they did a bunch of stuff without his consent or whatever yeah and so wolverine did not turn out the way he wanted i didn't mind it i'll i'll see any x-men movie i still haven't seen it i'm really looking forward to the new one i the oh. fucking trailer is astounding it looks fucking fantastic and you know this is the year where i really feel like i, I feel like this is sort of a pivotal year for comic book movies because we're sort of become we've sort of become saturated with you know like everything being made and so it could be the year like if Thor is not amazing and Green Lantern's not amazing, then then people are going to start saying like, "Oh, comic book movies." Yeah, and you know, and as much as I want to see those those Marvel movies, there's a very kind of boy bandish being formed, kind of in sync. Back, it's like, yeah. you know, it's like that idea of like, we are making the <laughs> Avengers. You will love Thor. <laughs> right. you know, like, it's like the Avengers. You know, the movie that I wanted to see is like. You know, let's just do an origin story like for all four of those guys in one single movie. Like, just do Captain America in like twenty minutes, and do Thor in twenty minutes, and <laughs> do Hawkeye in twenty minutes, and then you know, and then do they're all together. But it's like, uh, you know, maybe Thor's rad, and the trailer looks rad, and Captain America, all that stuff looks great. But it's, but there is this kind of but feeling. How are they going to squeeze all of our money out of us? Yeah, that's, yeah. that's right. There I can't. That. I can't get around Thor's die job. I can't get around the 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 the, the die goatee job like that that's no. that's kind of that's like kind of natural no really brown yeah. looks kind of orange no not brown it just looks kind of orangish to me so let me get this clear you're buying the giant hammer <laughs> yeah you're with asgard i suspend my i suspend my disbelief yeah. in yeah. weird places it's the it's the, it's the goatee die job yeah. all right the same the same way that when i wasn't that the dude that played kirk's father in star trek it was yeah yeah chris hemsworth the same the same way that when when people complain about a character that I voice on a Nickelodeon show as being a male cow with udders, I'm like, you know, animals don't talk either, right? They get really upset. They don't. <laughs> oh my god, I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh my <Thanks>. god, <laughs> they're all played by Victoria Knight Pulliam. <laughs> <laughs> Callback. Do you guys have sound effects? Is there a callback oh, bell that I you're going to put in later? A callback <laughs> bell. Yeah. <laughs> bing, bing, bing. You guys definitely need a callback bell in here. Well, when <laughs> we actually get a production budget, when we get a production budget, we'll hire an assistant and then we'll just have him put in things like callback. Well, you yeah. know, usually though, it has the, to be, it, it yeah. can't be a bell. It has to be like, that's a callback. Yeah. Yeah. Usually, usually though, when there is a callback, there is like someone going, good, good, nice 
nice callback. So that could be easily be it. I right. could totally. That could totally. Can be you that do guy. that for the remainder of at least this podcast? Sure, I'll try if to remember. If <laughs> Give me a point if I don't do right. it right away. Yeah. No, that's the callback. This yeah. is the signal. <laughs> you know, I haven't talked to you since this happened, but. I had so much fun at that Lost show that we did at the UCB, the last, like, the farewell show. That was oh, a blast. Shit, yeah. I have a recording of it, um, but, uh, and I, I, I had always intended to put it out as a podcast, but I've been so busy that I've not been able to edit it down. It's super, I mean, the show was, like, three hours long. Epic. And uh, and there was there were a lot of things that were just too visual to put in an audio podcast. So, Correct. So I never I never I never cut it down. But um, but so much fun. But I'm, Titus Welliver doing Al Pacino alone. Yeah, <laughs> must, so awesome. must be must be her. It went on so long that it was like, wow, this has gotten really bad, and then it got good again. That's yeah. that's how long it went. When you're just basically, it's the Lawrence of Arabia experience where. You oh. dial out and back in again. And but. you guys, you and Carlton just sat there through the whole show, and it was... it was And took it. And took, <laughs> took it. it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> took it. Prison rules. Prison yeah. rules. But I, yeah. but I, I feel like, I feel like the, that, that live show was... Well, there wasn't any bashing, was it? It was, it was like it was a celebration of the show, my, right? My sketch made fun of the, the bad beard that Jack wore. That was like the one thing. Which is, you know, there, that, that's, bashing is all in the eye of the beholder. And, right. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm learning this on a, on a day-by-day level. God damn it. I, I got into a lot of trouble for flaming the Fine Brothers um, on Twitter after I saw the oh, show. Oh, that's right. Because I, no I felt like their video piece at the end of that UCB thing was in, was not in the spirit of the roast, you yeah. know? Nope. Which is, first off, it wasn't called a roast. No, right. it was you know? a celebration of love. That's what I thought it was. Like when Cody and I came with the bit, we're just yeah. like, oh, if it's you just, yeah. If you invite me to a roast and Don Rickles makes fun of how small my dick is, then I get I got what I paid for. Right. But this, yeah. this was, you know, and, and those guys, you know, it, you know, are are very hit and miss um, in in terms of you know their comedy and when they're funny they're incredibly funny and when they're not funny it it doesn't work. But I felt like that, especially kind of in the spirit of the finales next week, they're calling us out on the fact that we weren't going to answer enough questions satisfactorily when mm-hmm. they knew that that was kind of the bugaboo it was sort of that was the uncomfortable moment of the evening for me. I remember it being quiet. And then, like, I was like, "What's going on?" I didn't and see then, it because yeah. the room was so crowded. Oh, that yeah, was such a to play that video. I was in the booth for that show, and that yeah. was like the closer. So it was kind of like, yeah. Like, anyway. But you know, the the mistake that I made was basically stripping them of their fandom, which mm-hmm. you know you're not in a position to do. It's like I I can't, I totally regret that. If they consider themselves to be fans of the show, then they're fans of the show, and that's sure. all there is to it. But you know, I was being you know pissy whiny little baby about it, and you know have have come to see things from a different perspective now. But 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 here here's what I understand because you know I get I get people that complain to me and mo- for the most part everyone's very cool to me about this show and and web soup and and whatever and and I do get but I do get a small percentage of complainers and I, what I think people don't understand is. You know, yeah, to them, they're just they're just voicing one complaint or one concern. But what you realize is the more successful something becomes, then it that number just goes up. And then every day you start to feel like because you spend more time focusing on the complaints to try to put out fires for people. And then you're just like, what the fuck? Please just give me a little break. Well, it's like if people are watching something, there's like a certain small number of people watching it. There's going to be a a certain number of people that like it and don't like it. But then when more people see it, more people will like it. But then the number of people that don't like it will will grow even more. And and what you kind of have to remember is like the more that number goes up, the more that means what you're putting out into the world is reaching people. Yeah. 
Right. And, you know, and the reality of being a fanboy, which I am and was born and raised, is is the idea that fundamentally some pieces of material you will have an adversarial relationship with, and that's the way that you define it. So, you know, a, uh, if you're a Boston Red Sox fan, for example, you can choose to, un- oh, yeah. you know, to categorically love the Boston Red Sox, or you can choose to just hate the Boston Red Sox <laughs> and but you you are still a huge fan but right. all you talk about is how much they suck and well, like in any sports team right now it's very difficult to not say that because they are 2 and 9 right right that's two <laughs> wins and nine losses anyway and the fundamental you know if if you're sucking you know the fans have a right to basically say I'm a fan of this thing and I love this thing and it's starting to suck and I want you to know it so um you know but now, Dan, when you say you were a fanboy growing up, what what was it that like you were really fanatical about when you were a kid? You know, Star Wars was, I think, yeah. the sort of defining you know kind of moment of my of my childhood, and then of course that you know that was sort of a gateway drug into <laughs> you know indie and um, and Trek and all those you know and all those other things. Yeah, were you a big were you a big video gamer, or comic book guy growing up? You know. A video gamer when I was growing up was owning an Atari twenty six hundred or a ColecoVision or so you an, love pitfall, or, right? or for those of us who were lucky enough to own an Intellivision, which had a which had a gun. Yes, um, <laughs> yes, that's that's the level of and and then yeah and then all through you know through college I think you know kind of a Nintendo sixty four was the cutting edge um, gaming device when I was so you in got college. Goldeneye and you played that all through college absolutely that was <laughs> that was everyone's summer that summer that came out that's right. everybody oh man for me it was getting the Nintendo just the regular Nintendo system and playing Super Mario Brothers three over and over again where you could put on the Tanuki suit that yeah. fucking Tanuki suit floored well, I, my I, world I love that so much and and the 26- and you're wearing it right now yes <laughs> oh why is this how audio you, only how do you sit down with that tail yeah. <laughs> um Super Mario Brothers three uh, first appeared in The Wizard. I remember like how mind blowing that was. Oh, that's or, right. That was the big thing for Fred Savage at the end. Yeah, uh, the, uh, he gets to play. Or yeah, and he Fred found Savage the whistle. The, kid, the, he oh, found yeah, the yes, whistle. right. Yeah. Wait, like, Fred Savage is not in the, the Wizard, table. isn't he? No, he is no. in The Wizard, but it's his. Little oh brother. yes, right. It's his California. little savantish. Yes, of yeah. course. His brother that just wants the divorce to go. Kevin Bacon's in that movie. Oh no, sorry, Christian Slater. Christian Slater's in the Wizard. Did you did you know there are five Fred Savages? Yeah, they keep on getting killed off. Working was Victoria Knight Savage. Um, <laughs> you missed yeah, your call. a callback. Yeah, there you, you go. Know, in yeah. my head, I was thinking, yes. I was like saying, and also, uh, uh, fucking girl from Rilo Kylie is in uh, the Wizard. Jenny, Jenny, Jenny Lewis. Yep. Wow. Jenny Lewis. Yeah. Sorry. Of Jenny and Johnny. Yes. I am out of my league in this room. Okay. Die no. Well, no, no. 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 Just a band. But the uh, on the iPad, they just uh, Atari just released the, their full library of emulators. Uh, so for all of their arcade games and then for all the 2600 games and so I bought it it's 15 bucks for all of it and it, it's funny because you, you think back you're like of course the 2600 you could, sh- you, you could shoot lines at squares and you think very fondly about it but then you start playing a couple of the games and you're like oh yeah okay I got it uh, yeah right. and, and you it's like I didn't I you're didn't, like did I really spend hours playing <laughs> hours E.T. Until, like until just the, to make my neck go up and, yes. to, find, and to make the plant grow yeah. like adventure I, play, I played adventure oh yeah and I mean, I had playing Superman Adventure in Pitfall. I had uh, the, the, this a, a sore and a callus from the Atari game controller, mm-hmm. and then sure. you know just playing the it for, for two right. minutes. Yeah, with yeah, that callus, and then uh, <laughs> and then and then of course I, I get it on the iPad. I'm like, oh yeah, oh okay, next one. Oh yeah, Missile Command. Oh yeah, okay, next one. I can still play Missile Command. I still get into that one. 
You still but if you didn't yeah, have you the ball, much, it's much better on the console with the ball, though. Yeah, but yeah. if you didn't yeah. have them at your fingertips, though, you wouldn't be sliding through them like that. I just love. I love. I, I you're just, like, I gotta get to the next one. I, I love that move one. in Missile Command when you get super high up on the levels and you would just whip the ball and then just start hitting the button, so you well, just had like the. I don't know if you know of, this, but uh, Billy Mitchell stole Roy Schilt's Missile Command score. I don't know if you guys are familiar. What with Roy Schilt's <laughs> Captain Awesome? Captain wow. Awesome, riding the automobile to fame and fortune. So the King of Kong uh, references the guy's making. Is there anything Billy Mitchell Doesn't will steal? not sully? Yeah. <laughs> it's like hot that. sauce. I've tried that hot sauce. It is great. <laughs> well, he, yeah, it's really good. Really? I, yeah, I went to. He is, he is the most there. well-rounded. Yeah, it was really good. Wow. Man in the hot sauce. He's industry. a winner. He'll make good hot sauce. You know, you, you can't even use the word winner anymore because fucking Charlie Sheen ruined that too. Uh, God damn it. What is wrong with people? You know, if you go to the Charlie Sheen show, you deserve to lose the money that you're throwing at it. I can't believe people would show up and pay $100 a ticket and then walk out halfway. They're like, what? Oh, so the guy who's never done stand-up and who uh, is a, 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 the crackhead who's never been on stage before? The fantasy baseball team I'm playing this week is called the New York Sheens. Oh, like that but, guy on the other end of that computer. In defense of buying a ticket, not that I have, there's the tightrope effect, which oh, is yeah. when you go to the circus, you do not want to see them make it across the tightrope you actually want to see them fall so yep. the idea that Char- charlie sheen might die might hit someone from the audience might <laughs> ingest illegal drugs on all these things could happen at the show mm-hmm. and you could say i was there when charlie sheen died on stage <laughs> literally yes yeah. his heart that's exploded. why you buy a ticket they'll call them the three thousand all the people that witnessed charlie sheen's death yeah. went on charlie i want to go sheen. see book of mormon but nobody's going to die <laughs> <laughs> probably i know? so want to see book of mormon yeah, i, I so awesome. want to see it. i want yes. to see it so bad that, that, that guy's that guy's heart is probably encased in a crack shell, and his heart's just gonna burst through it, like like in Superman when he after he builds the Fortress of Solitude and then just comes bursting through the crystals. That's what's <laughs> gonna that's gonna, that's what's gonna happen to his heart. I just hate it because it's taking attention away from the more talented of the two brothers, which is right. Emilio Emilio Estevez. Yes, yeah. that's fucking Repo Man. Nice right pronunciation there, there. Emilio Estevez. Yes, exactly. Emilio Estevez. <laughs> e Charlie Sheen. You mean Gordon Bombay from the Mighty Ducks? Yeah, that, that, I meant That's Gordon Bombay from the yeah. Mighty I Ducks. I mean Otto Gordon from Bombay. Repo Man. <laughs> was es, was Estevez in Mighty Ducks two? Yes. Oh yeah, and three. And three? And three? Yeah. yeah, he he went for that paycheck. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was for him. Probably an awesome, him. awesome paycheck. He didn't yeah. he didn't pull a pull a math out when it's basically like, no, <laughs> I'm not fucking do bad. I'm not going to do bad news bears do Japan. You can fucking but, you can you can get the guy from Knott's Landing. <laughs> <laughs> call, call William Devane. The guy Devane. from Knott's Landing. I'm not right. going. It was, yeah, it was William Devane. Is like you know oh, William Devane. Yeah. It's like they they kind of like refer to Buttermaker in that movie. <laughs> but he's not around. I, the, it's like the, in Jaws 2 when they refer to Richard Dreyfuss' character. Matt Hooper's off at the, in Australia looking at sharks. That's why he's not in this one. He, he's a, he <laughs> moved to the lake in Piranha 3D. Boy, that, that amazing... Uh, that ama- the, like, the, the remake that they did, I did not see the remake of the Bad News Bears, but it's just so funny to me. The original Bad News Bears where they just had, like, for a studio movie to have kids drinking and swearing and using and the N-word. Smoking. And yeah. smoking. Uh, That's why the remake wasn't. It was just it, it lost all that. You realized that was kind of the fun to watch these kids just be kind of raw. And the sexy kid in Benny's Bears was Tiny Rorschach. Oh, <laughs> that's Tiny the Rorschach. best. That is Kelly the, Leak. Yeah. Yep. He was. And now Kruger. Yeah. Yeah. That you know that, that I watched that Nightmare on Elm Street. I really wanted to love it. I really wanted to love it because I just I think he's so awesome. Yeah. And um, the J- first Jack Earl Haley. And it just it, it you need a certain amount of cheek. To play Freddy Krueger, and yeah. he they, he played him as a ser- as a very serious, 
character. Oh, as a child molester? Well, even the movie whole, <laughs> yeah. um, like You need movie, to be a fun child molester. Yeah. Right. The movie, on a whole, like, it's like the first death was the best one. There was no death that compared to the first death of the movie. Because let's talk about this for a second. If you're a child molester, there, sure. there does have to be a degree of cheek to you. Yeah. If you yeah, have yeah, a certain exactly. amount Come of humor. You have some charm yeah. I've got puppies in my van. Yeah, I mean, exactly. it's ridiculous that I have to go buy all these puppies to lure the peop- these kids into the van. Sure. Yeah. So there is a certain... Ted I mean, Bundy was charming. You know, hilariously charming. Yeah. All right, I better put the fake cast on now. <laughs> I need to change my tire. Let's just go through the motions. It's going to be weird. And John Wayne Gacy was charming as well. A as a clown, yeah, absolutely negating his charm. Did you did you see did you see Gacy the movie I did Gacy? Not think yeah, we'd end the, up here with Francis. With, with uh, Francis, yeah, yeah from, the guy who played Francis from uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure played Gacy. Oh, oh wow! I haven't yeah. seen that. There was a there was a stream of movies made by the same uh, studio that they did. Uh, they did Bundy, they did Gacy, and they did uh, one other. I can't really remember what it was. I watched. I watched. Uh, Janet and I watched Gacy with Paula Tompkins and his and his wife Janie and. Uh, I think we picked it up at the video store because the oh, I think the review on the front of the box just said looks great. <laughs> <laughs> and so can't argue with that. There was yeah. so I mean you know this take takes place in Illinois. Uh, palm trees in the background. I mean it was just loaded oh, with really? that. Oh yeah, just loaded I, with well, that kind of that, that kind of stuff. Now watch that. Is it what are you what are you currently kind of nerding out over, Damon Lindelof? Uh wow. What I mean I... you're pretty busy working. Do you have time to consume anything? Yeah, there's um you know. Uh, my my life now compared to what it was when we were doing the show is, um, you know, is radically different. So, you know, we were working 70 to 80 hour weeks on Jesus. loss. So there was no opportunity uh, uh, to watch television or read books or, or anything assholes to do a podcast. Yeah, exactly. I'm just basically like, <laughs> let's, let's go, let's go all day. Well, I remember, uh, when we did that panel, like when they asked what you were watching, you just said, I'm just, I just watch a couple, uh, reality shows because I do, I want to do, I don't want to think about That's anything. right. You get yeah. off of work and you're just like, I just don't want to see a crazy story. I don't want to see a clever turn. So when I finished, I was basically like, I downloaded all of Breaking Bad, all of Battlestar Galactica, and all of The Wire, and I meticulously, we finished in May, that's been, you know, the last year of my life has been watching those series in their entirety, and obviously Breaking Bad is only through three seasons, and Was it's still The Wire awesome. as good as everybody says? The Wire the is the greatest great. television show ever made. All right. Without qualification. Ever made. I'm still... And considering it has no robots, it has no time travel, there's no <laughs> zombies. There's wires. Yeah, there are... There are wires. I, I bought I bought the wire. I haven't uh, that that is one of the next ones on on my list uh, as well uh, because everyone. I just hope I just hope that uh, that I don't get too. What, how many seasons were there of the wire? There were five five seasons. seasons. Uh-huh. Yeah, and e- each one its own sort of little kind of fiefdom. Of, so you're not you story. don't think Breaking Bad's going to take that because I feel Breaking Bad is taking that title. Uh, for Bre- a lot of people, Breaking Bad could potentially be the greatest television series ever, but it's only three seasons in. Do you think you have to wait till a, se- a series is done to kind of declare able to it assess? the greatest television show ever? Yeah. Yes. I mean, because you think later day seasons can affect. I I I I would go out on a limb and say Breaking Bad is the best show that is on currently on right now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah definitely. Easy to say, but. The the wire. Have you seen the wire? I've, I'm in season uh, two right now. Oh, oh yeah, well. you, you're not even qualified until you've seen seasons three and oh, seasons no, four of the conversation. wire. Yeah, <laughs> look, Breaking Bad is amazing and, uh, on on a billion levels, and it's hard. It's also hard to c- compare them. You know, yeah, they're, yeah. they're 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 all awesome. That Entirely being said, different. Now, what do you think about Treme? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen Treme because you know my new thing now is. The, the, having experienced 
the television shows this way. And obviously, from the outside looking in, a lot of people said, hey, that's how I watched Lost. And they weren't able to start saying that until the show ended. So they were like, I waited for the show to end, and this is how I consumed it. And I, I believe that there's a huge difference in the way that those people perceive the series than the, than the way that the people who watched it the way that it was broadcast. And if I had watched Battlestar Galactica the way that everybody watched it while it was on, I'd probably have a much different perception than I watched the entire series of Battlestar Galactica over the course of maybe five weeks. And so the idea of kind of going on on the web, comparing theories, it's like, oh, there's five more Cylons? Two days later, I found out who they were. So (laughs) in real life, you had to wait a year and a half. So with that year and a half come a certain level of expertise expectations speculation you know so and you forget stuff too you absolutely forget details that are so important i mean that's i you know that's i when i when i got into lost it was after season two so i got to watch the first two seasons right all back to back and it was so gratifying to know and and buffy the same way i watched all seven seasons in a like six week period and it it was just it was just a great it was it's just great to see everything and and be able to not have to have my attention diverted week to week. Serialized television needs to be watched that way, which is, yeah. you know, which is a horrible way. You know, ob- obviously I wouldn't say to the networks, don't pick up serialized TV anymore, but the, but to, to manage it yourself, to basically watch it at the pace that you want to watch it, to yeah. be able to go back and sort of flip around and have it in your head, it would be like reading a book one chapter at a time once a week in the midst of reading seven other books. Mm-hmm. Like, awful. You know, it would be terrible. I mean, Dickens basically... You know, he wrote Great Expectations as a serialized novel. It was once a week. And then basically people hated the ending. So in the novelization of Great Expectations, he changed it. Um, and that's the way that we read it now as a novel, the great, as Great Expectations. But I think, you know, fundamentally, that's the way that it should be read. I can't imagine reading something a chapter at a time. That's so interesting. I've never mm-hmm. really thought about it like that. But that ability to just consume it all, you really get to look at the big picture instead of, being in the moment and sort of waiting. Well, yeah, yeah. because you're not you're, you're you're not having to devote. But a part of me enjoys the waiting thing too. But you're uh, not but you're not having to devote you're not having to devote any mental power to trying to catch up week to week where you watch something and then instantly sixty percent of it's gone from your head. Yeah, but there is yeah. also that those moments you have though, like uh, in Lost, where someone would come back or something would happen, like you know, way after the fact, and then right. the, you go. Oh, and you remember. It's like seeing an, like an, like remembering an old moment or an old friend. You're like, oh my god, I completely forgot that guy. That's right. And you know, the, all the rush of uh, memories comes right back after a long period of time. No, and that's it's a all, fun moment. But I see what you mean by the. Uh, there's also a unifying factor to watching it. So, like, yeah. you know, if Michael kills Anna Lucia and Libby, and you have that experience with the 10 million other people who are watching it on that night, you can basically go, oh my god, did you see that? Yeah. Whereas when I'm watching The Wire and something incredible happened, I'm like, who do I get to talk to about this? Yeah. Right, and, and then you. Somebody, they're like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember yeah. when that happened. Or yeah, I get yeah, to go yeah. on a message board that's from like three and a half years ago <laughs> and like sort of vicariously pretend that it's happening now. There. I'll tell yeah. you what I did right. enjoy, and I think maybe this was season three or season four, is when the is when they were dropping in uh commercial spots from the Hanzo uh foundation. We did it a couple times. The first one, the the first Hanzo ad was in the was right before the season one finale. Oh I wow. Think. Yeah. And but just going online Maybe and just all that ARG finale. stuff and yeah. un- uncovering shit and like yeah, I, 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 got, I got into that stuff. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the argument for watching it while it's on, which is you know you get to be a you know yeah. a part of that huge water cooler of everybody else watching it. So yeah, but, uh, I like to reverse my earlier position and now say 
Both are awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Breaking Bad, I, though, I watched uh, um, all three seasons in a row, um, and that was grueling. That took a lot out of me. It's like you watch that show, and you're just in this zone of people just doing horrible things, and then you have to go out into the real world. And it like it's kind of it's hard to do. I, I found it hard. Like I was like, and I was also keeping it from my girlfriend because I was supposed to wait to watch them all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, was, I wasn't working at the time, so I started watching it without her. I was like, I'll just watch an episode or two. And then I started watching the whole thing and not telling her. And she's like, "What'd you do today?" I, nah, I just, I just I jerked off all day. Ride. Yeah, yeah, I jerked off all day. I cheated on you. I cheated on you. Yeah. 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 There's a, a dead hooker in the basement. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. But you didn't yeah. watch Breaking Bad, right? Oh, no, 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 no way! Oh my god, I, I never do that to you. Yeah. Dead I love you. Yeah. So that kind of like it was like I felt like like I was like watching this thing about people lying to each other and their loved ones, and I was going doing the same thing on a very much. It is, you know, like like Breaking Bad and Mad Men are like I have a difficulty watching shows like that back to back episodes because i just need a break from the the dirty feeling that i get after like like the sad you know like yeah. heavy feeling that i get after i watch think about Mad Men though is that it they treat it they treat it like a serial when it really kind of isn't in a weird right. way there's no like there's nothing really episode to episode to really connect they're like but they do stuff that's like the, with the um, next time, there or, are yeah, there are definitely time. overarching stories that reconnect at certain points. Yeah. But, but each each one is each one is kind of a standalone. Yeah, when they get into the Dick Whitman stuff of it all, you know, Don's past. That's yeah. where you're kind of like, okay, I'm I'm expected to know this. But also, I think for those shows that do 13 episodes a year, it's a little bit easier to kind of sure you know to kind of track it. It's that's you know it's yeah. 10 less episodes to track than a network television show. And for Breaking Bad, I started watching it in the first season on AMC when it was on and about five episodes in, I was completely and totally riveted and loving it. But then I just completely fell off the train because I got consumed by work. And I said, Oh, I'll just watch this when the DVD came out. Mm-hmm. And then it was just one of those things where, Oh, up. I'll just wait until the end of season two. So now it's like, of course I decided to do, I, I went back and started all over again, watched it all the way through. And now I have to wait, you know, four four or five months with everybody else and I'll start getting my hits, you know, one drag at a time. <laughs> I'm, which I keep, is going to be tough. Like I, wonder if, uh, I wonder if I wonder if there's going to be a massive paradigm shift if Google TV catches on, or if there's an iteration of Apple TV where where essentially where essentially networks become apps that the, that you can you the, know the paradigm shift is is this Netflix, Netflix deal this fine, this fin- yeah. this Fincher um, Kevin Spacey deal which is the game changer yeah. which is you know essentially now. It, it's an app, it's, it's or it's Netflix. It's a delivery system. It's a it's a network for it's distribution. Mm-hmm. And essentially, the idea of if you want to watch David Fincher's new television show, you have to subscribe to Netflix. Mm-hmm. So in the same way, where if we wanted to watch The Sopranos, we had to subscribe to HBO, and right. if we want to watch Breaking Bad or Mad Men or Walking Dead, we have to sub- subscribe cable. to mm-hmm. basic cable that carries AMC, etc. So now, if you want to watch David Fincher's new show, you have to subscribe to Netflix. Now, it's it's essentially a network. If that show is good enough to basically yeah. say, oh, that's worth eleven ninety nine a month for me, in yeah. addition to all the other sh- shit that I can stream off of Netflix, yeah. absolutely. And if they can get a million people to subscribe to Netflix that weren't subscribers before just because of the Fincher show, that's literally like you know one hundred and ten million dollars. And also, mm. it and also, you know, it's so it's so funny the the sort of um, the delineation in people's mind between uh, between television. And internet and and film, the fact that uh, internet stuff gets far more views than 
network television gets, I mean, in, in, cer- in certain areas, and yet still does not get anywhere near the kind of respect of, but it's not television, and it's not a film. You're like, yeah, but 10 million people watch this thing. That's still that's still more than, you know. At their desks at work. Right. still have, like, older, like, you know, Sumner Renstone is still the CEO of Viacom. So right. it, like, they, use this, they use this word content to basically, you know, <laughs> it's sort of like, you know, it's all content, and it's like right. it's just no. It's a show. Like this David Fincher thing is a tel- is a show. Like it, it is it a television show? Who knows? I mean, at the end of the day, I can get Netflix on my TV, and within yeah. a year, it's it's. And most people can. They're just they just can't be bothered to hit, hit the four buttons on the remote required to basically hook your net your Netflix into a, account into your TV. But once I'm watching the Fincher show on the TV in my living room, then it becomes a TV show. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely, and that's why that's why you know with Google TV or any of the uh, a- any of the the new platforms that that come around that are just really successfully merging, potentially successfully merging those 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 mediums together. Yeah, well, I mean, also like uh, there's certain Blu-ray players and a uh, PS uh, PlayStation Three, you can have Hulu Plus, so you can uh, you can subscribe to Hulu Plus. That also, I think now ha- they have already had uh, original programming, I believe. The fucking problem is just one thing to start aggregating all the different platforms. It's like. Oh, you know, we get Zune and Netflix on the Xbox. We get Netflix and Apple on the Apple TV. Yeah. The PS3, you get Hulu Plus. It's just like I've yeah. I've, I've run out of HDMI ports. Yeah. <laughs> my television to, for for external yeah. the thing devices. About, the thing about the Xbox though that is isn't as good. I mean, I know Xbox has Zune, which is nice for you know like downloading movies, uh, but um, you have to pay monthly or a year a yearly fee to have Xbox Live. While PS3 and the Wii, it's yeah. free. It's free. Mm. You can stream television. Netflix. The television, like the whole cable box idea, even for me personally, just in my own life as it stands, I just have, I keep a, I have a PS3 in my bedroom and I stream everything in there, including with MLB's app, the MLB.tv app, I can stream Red Sox games. I can watch either the home or the away feed of the game, depending on who I want to listen to comment on it live, Mm -hmm. or I can watch it later and just jump to whatever inning I want. And it's that kind of stuff, the ability to just manipulate the the content how i want and around me sorry those like, those are those are those are good things and there are bad things too because we are definitely becoming a culture of spoiled consumers because we expect that we can get whatever we want whenever we want however we want it and so i feel like if you're if you're making stuff it just becomes a little bit harder because everyone you know, like so many people can say, like, you didn't do this exactly how I wanted it, so fuck you. And you're like, oh, fuck, god damn it. <laughs> well, it all seems, entertainment seems to be disposable at this point, but that's probably what, you know, uh, the film people thought TV. It's like, oh, it's disposable entertainment. Yeah. It just runs and then you're done. Uh, but I think it's going to, it will find it. There's going to be tons of or shit. Or what play actors thought of the radio. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> but if you build it, they will come. I mean, you know, the thing is, if, if, if there's if there's something worth watching, it creates that have you seen effect, mm-hmm. and it's suddenly yeah. like you know I'm trying to explain to my wife the video the Rebecca Black video Friday. I'm like you have to fucking see this, and she's like what is it? Why do I? Have? I say I cannot adequately explain why you need to see it. Yeah. You know, you just have to watch it because everyone else in the in, in the continental United States has seen it, and if you do not see it, you are outside the bubble. That's yeah. like yeah. you know, and and. If people will do that for that video, why wouldn't they do it for an awesome TV show? I mean, it just, you know, yeah. we, we all, we, none of us watched the Rebecca Black video at the same time, but right. we, over the course of 48 hours, we all watched it. And then that creates us an, a bit, that water cooler effect that I was discussing earlier, where we can now, and now suddenly, 
you know, Jimmy Fallon is talking about the Rebecca Black video and Colbert is talking about it. And then Colbert is now singing Friday on, on Jimmy uh, Fallon. And like, Taylor Hicks. You know, <laughs> and, and the half-life of the Friday video is about 10 days. So now it's gotten to the point where, yeah. you know, it it's actually passe for me to be talking about Rebecca Black on this yeah. podcast. <laughs> I remember I saw that thing like come up, like people were posting it on their Tumblr just saying, it's like, oh, check out the Rebecca. This is hilarious. It's dumb. And then like, I was like, I don't need to watch it. I don't need to watch it. And then it started even more and then more and more and then all the memes started to pop up right and like and then once like and then parody videos and i was like fuck at this point now i have to to be able to know the reference point i have to go back That's now the most fascinating thing about that know your meme website yep is they track internet traffic by yeah. date oh that's pretty it's great it's a flow like, chart to wow. understand where who posted it and then what the spike was and then like it shows you the life of it but yeah. i just i just worry that very few things that spike like that are actually good that there's this sort of weird ironic i guess sadlarious is the word that i use that that something has to be that bad to to get memed you know i mean like yeah. are we are we actually appreciating good things or or is it just like oh this thing i saw is so shitty everyone's got to see how shitty it is well, yeah you know i mean a large part of it is just how long it is and i think that you know the idea of like this is just going to take three minutes to watch or right. the little girl who's bowing down before Vader. is yeah, like, yeah, yeah. All right. That's 25 seconds. It's harder to get somebody to say, Hey, commit yourself to 45 minutes and watch this thing, you know, <laughs> but you're not going to say, watch this 45 minute thing because it sucks. You're going to say, watch this 45 minute thing because it's rad. Right. You yeah. know, and the Vader thing is as bad as rad as it gets. I mean, like, you know, <laughs> like what? There's, but, but there's that, no, there's no mocking to be made. No, You're just no, basically just like, awesome. I want to talk to that little girl. You but know, that, she's gonna that, be on Good Morning America. That guy, like the I guy who was hosting, about it. Oh, it's so amazing! Oh, and then, it's the and best. Then, and then the guy, like, she wants to turn herself over to the yeah. dark side. And so the guy who's hosting the thing, who's in some sort of, you know, like Jedi, like like yeah. Jedi garb, yeah. uh, he's like, oh, well, we'll we'll send you over here to the Sith Academy. Like, he just basically <laughs> ushers her off stage, yeah. like, get out of here, kid. And I so, I know he couldn't because it was in Disneyland, but I so wish he would have been able to run with it and just see where that could have gone. Then you must die and then chase her around. <laughs> right. Is the Darth Vader, like, the voice first you will, is not pre-recorded? First you will have to disavow yourself of your parents. Yeah, bring her <laughs> yeah. parents to the front. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> and then she just beheads them. Yeah, 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 of course. In front of everyone. That'd be super awesome. Show your allegiance. <laughs> <laughs> That's fascinating. Though. Um, so uh, when, as your writing process, how did your writing process evolve from the time you started uh, Lost through afterwards? Like what, how, how do you write? Do you sit down to write or do you write when you have, are you more of a putting out fires kind of a writer? Or are you like, no, I'm going to write a little bit each day. You know, Lost was obviously hugely collaborative and, you know, that show was basically written in the writer's room. So there were eight of us at any given time, you know, pounding out story and script and, you know, any given day, you know, the intensity level would basically, you know, vacillate between if it were a script that Carlton and I were writing, it would be a lot more intensive for me in terms of writing versus, you know, other writers, you know, generating drafts of their scripts. Now that the show is over, it's just me. So mm -hmm. I've, I function best in collaboration. So I've sought out, you know, writing partners, this thing that I just did, um, for Ridley Scott, this movie Prometheus is the first thing that I've written by myself. Um, you know, I think ever, really? um, 
you know, at, at least as a professional writer, I was obviously writing really, really bad screenplays when I first came out to LA in my twenties that I would never let anybody see. And, and one of, one of which I entered into a screenwriting competition and it did okay, but that was enough to give me the kick in the pants to say, I'm going to make a go of this. But then I instantly went into TV. Mm -hmm. And so, um, on track one, I produced it. Um, but was obviously very in involved in the story process with JJ and Bob and Alex and, and, and all that stuff. So that, that, w that was great. Trek 2, I'm actually writing um, and producing, but I'm writing it again. And it, it, it functions a lot more like a TV show where we're all sitting in a room together, throwing ideas around, seeing what sticks. Prometheus is the first thing where it's basically kind of come in, you know, read this draft. This guy, John Spates, had written an awesome draft that I was like, why aren't you guys making this movie? But the, the, the politics of the town, um, what have you, basically dictated... Well, what would you do with it? And so I'm sitting in a room with Ridley Scott basically saying, well, you could do this maybe. And then I'm, then I'm collaborating with him and he's got this amazing producer, this guy, Michael Ellenberg. And so I always kind of seek out the collaboration. I do not like sitting by myself, staring at the blank page. Like yeah. I kind of really need to kind of know what I'm going to write before I get to that point. And the way that I find it is by stealing ideas from other people. <laughs> <laughs> or building and Who collaborating. Who are much more talented than I am. No, I, 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 love, I love writing through collaboration because I just, I like, it's one of the reasons why I like having these guys on the podcast so much because it just, it's just so much fun to bounce stuff around and build and Sure create. is, Chris. <laughs> yeah, yeah, what I'd, yeah. Never, what I'd <laughs> never realized before I came here and did this podcast just listening to it was that it's entirely scripted that yeah. you, well, I came in, you handed, I'm reading this right you're now. Cold, what I'm you're saying. cold reading is yeah, fantastic. Because you guys make it sound so, so organic. They know the word there, that you know, organic, yeah. you have the old script. Well, the thing is, my uh, hands cramp up when I type how many times I have to say like, this is now the fifth Are take the of golden this, this is the fifth take of this bit and the way that we all overlap each other. That's the hard, it that really was the hard is. I'll just so need hard. an edit point so I can get us out of this. Victoria Knight Pulliam. Oh, that's a good callback. <laughs> now, see, you added good that yeah. time. No, I said good. The don't first go off the page, I Jonah. First, I did first in the. Don't go off the page. Did I say good? In the, this is no. why you know. This is why you were like that's a callback. All right, guys. we rehearse these shows all week long, eight hours we a have day. To replace Jonah, Paul Giamatti, or Philip Seymour Hoffman. That's oh. a callback. Oh, <laughs> yes, to an, no. earlier to another episode. <laughs> By definition, no, callbacks are always good. Yeah, <laughs> always true. good. Do I say it when you just reference callbacks? No. Okay. Is are we calling back callbacks now? Very nice. I just say thank you I, as a as a lifelong Star Trek fan for that Star Trek movie not oh, sucking. You're 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 very welcome. Yeah, it's obviously great. many talented individuals, but well, it was so great. I I went and saw it with the, I went and saw it with my, with my buddy Will Wheaton, who of course is a very critical Wesley Crusher, and he and we we came out of the movie and. Uh, we both like we took pictures of ourselves with huge smiles on our face. He he loved it, and I I loved it, and I I fucking love Carl Urban. Is it Urban? Yes, Urban. He he's so that, good. that guy. So first good. of all, he's sort of like the. Uh, Do you know that he changed his name from Carl Rural? <laughs> Interesting. It's it's to, weird to be more street. He was not getting any work. <laughs> Changed it. <laughs> you, you, you know, you're a little too uh, country boy. All right, how about urban? Carl yeah. Black Culture. I like is, uh... <laughs> wow. Carl Metropolitan. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that guy, first of all, that guy's like, is like, I'm going to sound a little gay. He's like dark haired Brad Pitt. Very handsome. And, uh, and a fucking, he's a great, he's a really great actor. And he's a Kiwi who does, you know, kind of an amazing American Southern accent. That's yeah. true. He's not uh, American. 
He's he's great. I and I thought I thought he was I thought uh, I thought he was great as Bones. He's amazing. Really, really, really Were you great. there when Tyler Perry was on set? I was there. Yes, when when Tyler Perry, when Mr. Perry was on set. Yes. Now I'm not sure. Do you I wear a wig. I think I understand. I think I understand Medea now because of all the billboards around town. She pronounces words wrong. Right. She adds the letter R or T, whereas you and I might say good afternoon. She says good afternoon. So, right, I mean, yeah. you can see the endless comedy possibilities. And when you say hallelujah, she says <laughs> hallelujah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> hallelujah. That's not the right word for that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Medea. Speaking of things I'm nerding out over. What? That. <laughs> you think there are Tyler Perry nerds? Of course there are. Yeah. Tyler Perry, look. They're called black people. I'm not just saying this because Tyler Perry was in, <laughs> was in Star Trek. Tyler Perry is awesome. You... He's a billionaire. Whether you like what he does or not, you have to step back and have incredible admiration for what he's done. I absolutely do. As someone who who is fascinated by watching things get built and industries get built, and that guy fucking made an industry around himself. He is is a genius. But what was the thing, the deal he, for his show, what's the show, like Meet the Browns? And like his whole thing was like, hey, I'll pay for the first season. Right. If it does, if it gets this amount of uh, this, these numbers, uh, you pick it up for, I think, like 100 episodes or 200 episodes. And it got the numbers. And then they fucking, now he's like, great deal. Now he's he owns it. TBS. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Most of it, right? No, he but, is. That guy's, a, that guy's brilliant. That guy's a genius. You know, this town basically functions on... Uh, on a certain sort of set of business propositions where it's like, well, this is the way it's done. And if you don't like it, then you're not going to work in this town. And yeah. this is some of the, this is what Carlton and I were up against in the, in, in with lost where it was like, we want to end the show. And they were like, that's not the way it works. You can't end a show because people are still watching the show and it's a broadcast television show. This is not the office. You are not Ricky Gervais. You know, lost has 15 million people watching it and we're not going to end it. And then you basically just have to come to a, a, a you, you have to argue and argue and argue to, think about things differently and to, to explain that the, the, the overall vitality of the show is contingent upon it ending and that maybe the aftermarket value of the show will increase as a result of ending it, et cetera. But where I give Tyler Perry props is he basically completely and totally rejects the norm and says, I'm going to come at it. Why can't you do it this way? Why can't you do it that way? Why can't you do it this way? And he's, you know, just as a businessman, forget about the content that he's providing. It's just a, he's a genius. Yeah. Well, yeah, and, and a lot of it has to do with, and, and it, it's very, it's very like his his mindset is very new media based in the sense that you know like we're talking about all the internet platform like the web the web platforms is that really what it boils down to is can you reach an audience that's it's 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 very it's the same as performing stand up in live shows can, will x number of people come out will x number of people watch this thing and in the past because of the limitations of technology consumer based technology everything is well, we rely on networks and studios for the delivery systems. But now, if it's really just a matter of, well, I can just go pay, make a thing, and then I know these people will watch it, and then that's it. You've cut out the whole, you yeah. cut out that middle yeah, process. Kevin Smith's red state situation, where he's just. I like, wonder how that's going. I think they're. Uh, they think he's going to start it in smaller. They're going to bring it to smaller theaters, mm-hmm. and uh, oh, sorry, very soon it will be turning a profit, because like, it didn't cost much to make, and the tour. They're gonna be able to sell cheaper tickets. And yeah, stuff. he does. Just did a, they did well. an article on him in the LA Weekly, and he says the um, he's getting paid to advertise the movie essentially because he's doing the tour where he's just gonna go speak about the movie, yeah. and they're and these uh, venues are giving him money and from the door to speak about the movie. So he's telling all these people about the movie, and he's getting money. Yeah, like he's doing it in kind of a really interesting way. 
That's cool. It'd be interesting to see if it works. I mean, it's it, you know he has a very specific audience. So, I, but I would imagine not everyone will be able to pull off that that system. Well, the crazy thing is, is he's screening these movies. He's screening the movie to the at these at these events, mm-hmm. and so and this is like a large amount of people that are gonna see it. Yeah. So will they see it again? Will the money be there? Tune in, Tune in next week. I mean, my suspicion is if you're if you subscribe to any conspiratorial thinking, that the story is going to be that it didn't work because you know that's what the media has to say. Right. But he will probably say, "Oh, it worked fabulously." Right. And I'll, I'm going to go ahead well, and side with believe. him. Okay. I, I believe. But he's any- never he's never one for you know lying. Like he, I'm, I'm sure he'll be pretty honest about the uh, how much it helped. My father gave me a piece of advice that I'll never forget, and he said, "Always trust a man in a duster." And I'm gonna go. I'm gonna side with Kevin Smith on this one. Yeah. It's never. I've. Ne- it's never that advice. I've always followed. It, 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 it's never led you astray. I, it's. I've. It's very rare where it comes into play. But. But when it does. But when it does, I trust that man. I'm curious. But, I, I, maybe. I, maybe we talked about this at the at the comics on comics panel. Um, how do you how do you pitch Lost? Like how do you when like when when you because my my perception of networks is that everything has to be very like. Oh, A plus B equals C. So how do you, how do you pitch a show that has so much, uh, had like such a mysterious element to it? And I mean, did you sort of pull the old switcheroo on him uh, somehow, or how did you get him to? The, you know, the the show was kind of pitched to us, and that's what was enormously liberating about it, which is that they, this guy Lloyd Braun, who was the president of ABC, really wanted to do what he referred to as Survivor, the drama series. Mm-hmm. Survivor at that time in two thousand. 2004 was enormously popular and the idea of setting a drama series on a on an island with beautiful um people and blue water and sandy beaches was just let's do that let's just do castaway you know let's do a show about a plane that crashes on an island and they hired aaron spelling of all people to develop that show and it did not turn out the way that they wanted it to (laughs) so they put tori in it yeah, exactly. They came to uh, they came to JJ in late January, which is you know normally pilot season happens over the preceding summer, and they start to pick up the shows, you know November December. So at the last week of January, they came to JJ and said, "Will you you know we don't want to let this go. Will you do this show?" He had already written this other pilot called The Catch that was about bounty hunters, and he was about to go and direct that, and he was still running, he was running the third season of Alias. So he was like, I don't have time to, 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 to do this. If you bring in another writer and they have a take on it, maybe I'll produce it. And my friend Heather, um, uh, then, uh, then Leighton, now Caden, called me and basically said, do you want to meet J.J. Abrams? And I'd been stalking her for two years to just get in a room with the guy because I worshipped Felicity and Alias. Mm-hmm. And she said, it's not about Alias. It's about this other thing that's never going to happen in a billion years, but at least it'll give you something <laughs> to talk about and you can make an impression. And that was on a Friday night. And Monday afternoon, I came in and I met with J.J. And that Saturday, we delivered an outline five days later for what we would do with this idea. And it had all those crazy mythological elements it had the flashbacks it had the monster it had you know all the wackadoo stuff and we were basically like this is what we would do with this show what do you think and lloyd was so you know uh, either desperate and or trusting he just said go now he got fired halfway <laughs> halfway into production and that was the point where we were like this show's never going to get picked up we have no idea if the new you know person in in the captain's chair is going to embrace it. It was this guy, Steve McPherson, who was running the studio at the time that the show got greenlit and now running the network at the time that 
it was time to decide whether it was going to make it to air. And he said, you know what, I'm going to go for it. And so the answer is we never really pitched it. We just tried to take an untenable premise, which is people crash land on an island. What's episode 12 going to be like, isn't the show just going to be about them trying to get off? There's a reason in Castaway that, you know, they, they cut like after he yeah. makes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. he, he after, makes after fire. He He's like, I out. made fire four years later. <laughs> now it's time to get the fuck off the island. Yeah. You know, so our, our entire show took place in between the fire and Tom Hanks building a raft. Yeah. You know? So it's like, what's going to make that interesting to watch? And we didn't know, you know, we didn't know. We were just like, this is how, you know, we're going to focus on the characters and we're going to make the island very mysterious. And, you know, we're going to kind of throw up a Hail Mary and see what happens. And, I, and, I, and in a way, I kind of feel bad about even asking you questions about it because I know that it's just so consumed so much of your life. And, and to the point where the tweet you sent out about, like, <laughs> condensing Lost into one tweet yeah, was so was genius. Oh, thanks. I mean, uh, you know, the, the beauty of that is it, someone who was following me was basically like, hey, you should, you, you should start this Twitter trend, Lost in One Tweet here's mine. And then I basically said, Oh, fun. Like here's mine. And so I can't, e I can't even uh, take credit for having come up with that idea, but it felt like, here's Just the thing. Like it's like, lost. yeah, hmm. I've, 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 I've kind of struggled with this, uh, you know, uh, on Twitter, which is, you know, how often should I tweet about lost? Like, mm -hmm. because a, I, I think about it all the time. Obviously it was this big defining event in my life. And obviously my emotional sort of response to other people's response to the finale is on my mind a lot. And certainly my, uh, anytime anything happens, people are tweeting about it on my feed. So I go like, if I were a fanboy and I were following Damon Lindelof, would I want him to talk about lost all the time? Well, fuck. That's why they're following me. They're not following me because I'm a bald Jew. Like, you know, there, <laughs> I'm sure there are some, I right. am. a few, a few. And, and I will, I will tweet for you guys about, <laughs> about premature hair loss and Judaism, but no. So it's kind of like, you know, if I'm following Ashton Kutcher, I'm following him because I want him to fucking tweet photographs of Demi Moore in various states <laughs> yes. of undress. So yes. give me what I fucking want. You know, I don't want to hear you talking about like all the great charitable organizations. It's awesome, Ashton, that you care about these things, but that's not what I'm, why I'm following you. So that's kind of my, you know, my take on it. And I, and I understand that, you know, I have the, there's this other thing about me, which is I'm a geek and I'm interested in geek culture and nerd culture, whatever you want to call it. So I, I, I tweet about that stuff as well, but I, you know, I, I do feel a certain obligation if I'm going to be egotistical enough to think that people want to hear what I have to say on Twitter, I'm going to try to give them what I perceive they want. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I, do you remember what the, the lost in one tweet was? Do you remember what it was? I think it was some variation on that. Damaged uh, fix it broken. Yeah, damaged people crash land on damaged island. Yeah, uh, fix fix selves then island. Um, That's all right. walk into light. Boo exclamation point. Uh, sorry, yay exclamation point and then parenthetical or boo, or boo. <laughs> exclamation point. Yeah, when I saw it too, I was like. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> there that's, you go. That's fine. No reason to watch it now. <laughs> no, there, no, there is. But but. Still. And then there are people on my feed who are like, spoiler alert. And I'm oh like, God, if no, you're following is... me and you don't want me to talk about the lost finale, um, why are you following me? Yeah. They're still waiting for the, the bald <laughs> Jew commentary. You know, the, uh, where the where the finale was, that church, uh, that's where I had uh, the funerals for my grandparents. Yeah, Jonas from yeah. Hawaii. Oh, really? oh, yeah, we talked about that last time. The thing. Yeah, I was born wow. and raised. Yeah, I went to St. Louis, which was uh, across the street from there, but that was like St. Sacred Hearts or St. Patrick's, they're right next to each other. Uh -huh. But that's, uh, yeah, 
that's like where I've been there. Jonah's Jonah's a Hawaiian. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, the uh, Camp Not that you're a Hawaiian, but that that, you know. Yeah, Camp Erdman. I I stayed there a weekend once that you guys blew up for New Otherton. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, uh, all those, It's like a YMCA camp. It, yeah, it made it, it made it kind of hard to uh, to watch it sometimes because uh, like I'd be like, "That's not Seoul, Korea. That's near the convention center That's down the street from <laughs> Alamoana." You, you live there, but I wonder, yeah. you know, like you're the giving idea, away all the magic now. All the magic. Uh, no, just people who watched it like hated it watching it with me because I would I would be like, "That's not how I did." But it's That's all not Beverly Hills. But it's all real. You understand it all really happened. It all really happened. I was there. It was a documentary yeah. on life in Hawaii. Yes. But I, 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 lo- I love the point that you made when we did the panel about how, like you, you can control the story in as much as you can control the actors and what they decide they want to do. Like, you know, you said, oh yeah, we had this really long uh, arc planned for Mister Echo, and yep. then he decided he didn't want to be in Hawaii anymore and right. fucking left. Yep. Yeah. And you know, and that's the nature of the beast. And I think that. If you're writing, if you're J.K. Rowling and you um, and you're writing novels, um, you can have the characters do whatever they want. And when the actors sign up for the movie adaptation of that, it's kind of like, hey, listen, you know, Dumbledore, you should know this going in. You're gay. Like, is that going to be that going to that going to be a problem for you? And you can even switch. Not Dumbledore. for this old yeah. wizard. <laughs> you can even switch Dumbledore's midstream, and nobody cries cries foul. But if we had basically said like. You know what? Ottawale doesn't want to do the show anymore. We're just going to bring in another fine actor to portray the role <laughs> of Mr. Like Echo. Soap opera. We're going to we're going to Darren him. Now yeah. playing yes. the part. No, not an option. So what you do is you say we're going to, you know, we're going to kill this guy off and obviously that's not according to the plan and it felt that way when we wrote it and it felt that way when people watched it. And well, you can't like life you can't count on people living forever, man. That's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it was just like, you know, it was it was it was it was unfortunate and lame. And the, and the larger factor, you know, in terms of the way that the entire second season and the first half of the third season played out was we just couldn't move forwards because of the Nate. We didn't have an end date yet. So the show was so desperate to have the Oceanic Six leave the island. And that's something that we knew we wanted to do. It was like that's the next phase of storytelling is some people get off. And then that sounds dirty. Some people get <laughs> off the island. Um, you know, and then what happens next? But nobody could leave the island until we we had an end date. So it, that, that entire period of storytelling just, you know, was, was enormously dictated by that, um, by that limitation. Well, but, but I think what's great is that, I mean, you have clear, you've moved on to awesome stuff. I mean, the, the, the idea, I'm so glad it's over. And I mean that, you know, with the, you know, with the tremendous amount of respect for the show and having loved doing it, but it, it was, you know, I can't imagine, you know, what it would be like to have left the show and have it still be going on, you know, without me or, you know, or anything else. It was enormously liberating to be like, this was six years of my life. And now, you know, now I'm doing other stuff. Did you live on Hawaii the whole time? No. Um, very rarely. Carlton went to Hawaii a lot more often than I did. Um, the first season I went back and forth a lot, like, you know, basically was commuting to Hawaii. Um, but then much more, uh, sporadically as time went on to by, by time we did the last season I probably went only like four four times maybe five times over the course of the entire season because we wrote the show we edited the show we cast the show all out of LA how do you keep stuff from getting out like how do you I was I, I asked Stephen Moffat the same question about like you you have answers in your head about storylines that you know millions of people would claw their eyes out to get at you you have this stuff that's in your head how do you keep that in? How do you keep that shit from getting out? We couldn't. I mean, the reality was that, you know, there were sort of abundant spoilers. Once you put an idea onto paper, 
there are, you know, it exists and a lot of people can see that, um, see that paper. And there were probably more people interested in what was in the hatch than that are interested in what's in the documents for WikiLeaks. So, Mm -hmm. you know, um, (laughs) you know, uh, if there's a strong desire for somebody to find out a secret, it's very, very difficult to hide it. And we, we had 400 people working on the show and we decided to trust those people, you know, and that it doesn't mean that those people are the ones that are leaking it. But once you write it down on a piece of paper and you put it in script form and you say, this is what we're shooting or this is the set that we need to start building, you know, uh, and we're on the island of Hawaii, so you were there. You know yeah. what it's like. I mean, it's not like we had, you know, jackbooted guards basically surrounding no. our stages. You got Anybody, dudes. Yeah. Just dudes. Yeah, just dudes. And you just walk up to them, and you're like, what's going on here? They're like, we're, you're, we're shooting lost, bro. You're not supposed to be here. And you're like, okay, you go. You get a telephoto lens, and then blammo. Is it, yeah. Are you having the same, is it the same thing with Star Trek series as well? It's, you know, it's tough. It, it, you know, um, obviously, once in your once you're in production, JJ is really good at secrecy and really good at playing the, playing the game because ultimately people want to know, but they kind of don't want to have stuff spoiled for them. Mm -hmm. So it's more about like sort of engaging in the kind of, you know, Tom's not ever really going to catch Jerry. Um, you know, cause God forbid if he did, what would happen? Well, you know, they would, they would, be they horrifying. would do that shitty iteration of the show where they became best friends. Right. Which and, uh, so. Jerry wore a bow tie. Actually, that'd be really funny if someone did that animation where like Tom finally catches Jerry. Those, and those guys must have, those guys must have like the old animators who were yeah. really like hilarious, sick fucks. There's yeah. there, that, that, that image exists somewhere. That footage exists the, somewhere. The downside of it is, is that, you know, we're working on track two now and there's an, there's such an expectation that it that it's top secret just because everything we do is top secret and with that expectation comes this idea that they're going to do just something totally mind-blowing in Trek 2 that's just going to you know frigging fry our brains because they're keeping it a secret as opposed to the fact that we're just keeping it a secret because we don't want the audience to know too much about the movie going in so sure. you know the fact that people went to go see Trek and they're like they didn't know that we were going to blow up Vulcan you know they might have known that time travel was involved. Was they sad. knew that Nimoy was going to be in the movie, but they kind of didn't understand how it all worked. So when you get to that point in the movie, you know, it's it's cool because you get to emotionally experience it without being primed for it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it, it requires a tremendous amount of, you know, um, you know, there's only a few uh, select people that you can include in your circle of trust if you're going to do something like that. It's got to be fun to sit down. What's and- going to happen when Spock goes through Ponfar, you guys? Where is he going to go to meet? I don't know, but you've got to stop slamming your hands on the table. I'm sorry, I can't hear it. I, I have know. Headphones. Well, uh, the studio's weird. <laughs> Calm down. I know you're excited. Matthew is an enormous. Ma- as as much of a Star Trek fan as I am, Matthew is like Matthew is insane. Star I just Trek. like where's he going to go to mate? It's like I can just see like the the kind of commercial that caters directly to Vulcan. Yeah. You're in Ponfar. Where are you going to go to mate? <laughs> Those hormones are raging. You might feel a little yeah. angry. Yeah, right. Uh, exactly. Rigel, probably. <laughs> Strangling your friends, <laughs> sweating a lot, <laughs> meditation just not working. In between, You're in Bonfar. In between those weird temple pulses. Yeah. Can't share what's going on with your captain <laughs> and your best friend. Ponfar. Ponfar, the new fragrance. <laughs> oh, there is a Ponfar fragrance, I believe. No, really? Isn't there? I know there's a Tiberius. There's a Tiberius. There's also I think, a uh, yeah, it's Chloe Lamar's new, uh, <laughs> new fragrance is uh, Ponfar. <laughs> It must be so incredible, though, to sit down at Final Draft or whatever script program you use and then see, like, 
Interior Enterprise Bridge. And you're like, uh, this is not fan fiction. This is the actual Enterprise. That is, you know, that is the coolest thing ever is is playing in those universes and just, you know, writing like Kirk and then dialogue. And you're like, oh, my God. You can make him talk. <laughs> and, you know, and for it was particularly awesome for 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 writing the as he was slugged in the script, original Spock, you uh-huh. know, cause you're like Nimoy is actually going to be saying these words, Jeez. you know, that's where you're, I just did this, um, you know, this, this story for action comics 900, which is I think coming out next week. And so there, you know, DC called me up and said, do you want to do like a Superman story? Just like a 10 page or just a short little thing. And it's just, it's the coolest thing ever to just write a script and be like, Ooh, I'm, you know, I'm playing in that world with yeah. those guys, you know, I'm getting to make them say stuff. It's, it's pretty incredible. You are going to be, but it is fan fiction. Yeah, it is fan fiction because you're a fan, but it's right. still official. Right. It's, it's like, fan fiction that you, someone sends you a check for. I mean, is, we, we think of fan fiction as being sort of unofficial. Like, oh, these are things that we would like to see, but they're not officially sanctioned by such and such. And you are officially sanctioned by such and such. I mean, it's it's kind of a it's kind of a big awesome deal. The fact that anyone would officially sanction me to do anything is very frightening. And yet, it's been going on for years. And you know, last year. Uh, at the G4 party at Comic-Con, J.J. Abrams was there, and I fucking didn't get to say hi to him. I don't know what I would have expected was going to happen out of this exchange other than, hey, this is really nice to meet you. And then he would be like, okay, and then I would walk away. But, God, you know, I fucking love that guy, too. Is that Are you, are you going to go with it's really nice to meet you? I don't know. What should, should I? I don't know. I just, you know, it probably, you should. He loves time travel. Should I say it's, it's really stock. nice to have met you? Yeah, oh, that's good. Right? Or like. Or walk up to him and say, in five minutes, someone who looks exactly like me, but dressed slightly differently, is going to come up to you and ask you a question. You know, you have to run as far as fast and as far as you possibly no, see, can. Was, feel, then you're in a conversation with the guy. I feel bad. I feel, I feel bad in the sense uh, for, you know, for guys like you and JJ who write, um, you know, these sort of intricate sci-fi. Because I imagine that fans constantly try to come up and say something that they think you will find super clever and so there's there's probably always just like oh, okay first off don't feel too bad for us we're, we're, <laughs> we're, we're living the dream and secondly it's a very odd experience for me because you know i've been going to comic-con for many 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 years and so suddenly i'm up there now on the dais like and the and people are there to talk about my show but then once that once that experience ends, I'm just like, oh, I'm just going to walk around the floor and get some cool T-shirts. Mm-hmm. And if someone comes up to me and says, hey, I dig your show, my level, I want to be like, oh, what's your name? Like, let's have a chat now because I was that guy. And like when I if I were on the if I were on the Comic-Con floor and I would see a comic book writer or artist that I totally dug or like Bruce Campbell walk by I'd be like, Bruce Campbell, I just have to say you're awesome. And he'd be like. Thank you. You're awesome. Yeah. And, and that would like make my fucking year. Yeah. yeah. So the the idea that anyone views me in that light of, oh wow, you were involved in something that I really dug or you made something that I really dug. It's like it's it's a very it's a it's a slightly out of body experience for me. Yeah. I I don't I mean my 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 level is lower than where yours is, but I still am constantly like, if people come up, I will always talk to people. Cause I always, I feel like, no, I know what, I know what you're experiencing. I, I freak out about stuff and I want to say, hey. I saw Dan Aykroyd the other day at, at, uh, having coffee or lunch or something. And I just was so nervous. I just walked by. You didn't say that. I stood and I, that's a nice sighting. Yeah. Yeah. Did you say, keep your eyes on the skies? I wish he did. I mean, Carlton and I went up to um, to Skywalker, and we did this um, like Q and A with the people who work uh, at ILM and Lucasfilm, and it was awesome. And then they're like, "Oh, hey, George is um, is actually on the property. Do you want to go over and like say hi?" And we're like, 
Uh, sure. Speeder. Yeah. Why not? And and the thing is, you know, we sat down and we chatted with him, and it was the most surreal experience. Because here's the guy who's basically like in the, in the time travel story of my life. If you went back in time and killed George Lucas, yeah. I would not. Mm-hmm. I would not be who I am by any stretch of the imagination. So, but he's just kind of talking to us like we're peers. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, you know, you did your thing and I did my thing, and you know, and I'm like. Let me just sit here and fucking <laughs> ask you questions about Kashyyyk, you know, like I do not want to pretend to be a grown up right now. Like, I don't want to be your peer. I want to be your acolyte. I was that little girl in the AOL video. Like, yes. you know, it's fucking George, you know, I always, uh, I always have a fancy of uh, meeting George Lucas and then doing nothing but talk about American graffiti. Oh, that's that would just be what and I want. And he would do. fucking love he probably that would love that. he's probably. a total gearhead. I yeah, mean, that's exactly. his thing. Yeah, that's really that's that's nice. So if you do see Damon Lindelof in public, give him a hug, say hi, but not a creepy too long hug, right? Where you sweat on him, just a nice. But I was like, when we had Nathan Fillion on the podcast, he said, you know, like he would, he's totally cool if people just come up, nod, and say, Captain. Yeah, like that's you know just just the acknowledgement, you know. And like he's like, as you were. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, actually, that's funny. Uh, um, Bruce Campbell just did an uh, AMA on Reddit, and then like someone said, "When are you going to do something with Nathan Fillion?" He says, "As soon as I find out who he is." <laughs> oh, that's awesome! <laughs> Genius. And the great thing about Nathan is he probably got a kick out of that. Yeah, he's yeah, totally yeah. rad. I mean, yeah, it's uh, it's and 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 the and the great thing about Twitter is it's a you know. It's essentially your sort of own personal therapist in terms of like, this is on my brain and I'm going to get this out. So mm-hmm. if you follow me on Twitter, you know that I'm emotionally consumed by this idea of the finale. And so I talk about it a lot and I talk about people not liking it a lot and wrestling with that. So people will just walk up to me and basically be like, hey, man, I really like the finale. And like, I'm like, thank you. Like, it's so nice. I've yet to have any experience per, uh, in a person to person experience where someone comes up to me and says, I hated the finale, or you took six years of my life away. You see those, you, you know, you see, see it online. Yeah, you see it online, or you see people. Those are the you know, same people that blogging come up about to you it though and say that they love. Yeah, it. but I have yet to have the sort of faith, and I, I constantly wonder slash ask my therapist, what will I do when that happens? Because it's just a matter of time before you know before I get engaged on that level on a person to person. It might happen, and, and at that point, you might just be like, "Well, I'm sorry, right? Sorry, I didn't like it. You know, yeah. I don't know what to tell you." But I what like will it. really happen is I'll go, why? <laughs> why? Can I change it? You can't fix it. Yeah. What, whatever. You what can't, can I, you, you can't, what can I do? You can't fix them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because you, you forget that uh, for, you know, to walk up to someone and say, you're dumb. Like, that is a very, that's not normal, I don't think. Yeah, right. Like, to go up to someone unsolicited to yeah. sling some shit at them is not, I feel like that's not a normal... Happened to me in high school. <laughs> well, it happened, listen, it happened to me, like, I've, I've done so many crappy shows in my life, like, after I started doing fucking Shipmates, some dude came up to me at a bar, he was like, hey, I saw your latest show, not your best work, not your best work. Jeez. I'm like, why would you say that? And I have apologized for that, and you are gonna keep bringing it up <laughs> over and over again. <laughs> I just wanted you to know. Will you write Shipmates the movie? That's my big question. That's why I'm, we brought you here. Those guys actually and i say guys because it's guys always sh- <laughs> always sh- would show up at comic-con they'd be the usually the second person standing in line at the mic and you could tell that they had kind of already written what they wanted to right, say right. so that they could have their big kind of moment but the joke would, would be that they would be always be sitting in the first three rows of hall h mm-hmm. which meant that they probably slept out yeah. right. you know to basically tell you how much they hate the show and so you have to take that in the context in which it's offered. Yeah. Is like, all right, well, 
you obviously hate it so much that you've dedicated the last 15 hours of your yeah, life. Well, that's, I love her hate it. I that's love your dedication. Similar, that, that's exactly what you were saying earlier about like about about fandom is that you have to you have to love something so much to hate it so much. Like you just you can't because if if you're if you're sort of ambivalent about something, it's like eh, it didn't really affect you either way. Like those are the people that aren't really that don't really care about what you do. Yeah, I'm gonna. <laughs> that's good. You're gonna go I with that. Write that down. You're gonna go <laughs> with that. Well, uh, we are at the end of our we're at the end of our show. Uh, but uh, as people are peeking in, hi, people outside. <laughs> go ahead, press your faces up there, and officer. <laughs> Um, but, uh, Damon, it was such a pleasure to have you on and, and I hope you'll come back on again, um, you know, another time and, you know, after you've, after you've finished writing Trek 2 and if you want to talk about anything else, you're always Please welcome come to come back on. and talk anytime. about Anytime. This is, this is a lovely experience. Thanks. Well, it's it's yeah, excellent yeah. to have you on. Any, any parting thoughts, any place, uh, you're at Damon Lindelof, of course, on Twitter. Yes. Um, uh, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm really struggling to come up with some sort of Keisha Knight Pulliam, um, cause <laughs> you always want Right. It was it was hackily handled, but you, no, no, you no. always want to end with a callback. Yeah, I know. I was waiting for you, right. and I saw you tinkering you away. Your Twitter handles Damon Knight Pulliam. We yeah, could all just we could all just say so that's good. We could all just say callback on the count of three. Yes, one, two, three. Callback. Call we should have really discussed how we were going to say callback because yeah. that was a, kind of a mess. Nope. Just like the THX sound. Yeah. <laughs> you, you can do the THX sound. Who's you do the, Have you done it with another person before? We've done it with you. We have done the yeah. THX sound. Goes Can like, I do it? Too? Yeah, yeah, sure. Here's here's what we do. We start off on the same note, mm-hmm. then I'll 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 move up, and then you move low until we meet on the same note again, but on different octaves. We'll stay in the middle. I'm gonna no, pretend no. like I know what you just said. So so like you, so we'll start off on the same. I'll go. And then I'll go up, and then you start to go down yeah, until it. we meet again on the same yes. note. So you're going down. I'm going. So up. Uh, this is uh, Lindelof's THX. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Did it work? Oh, it's fun. It totally worked. Wow. It fucking right when you hear We're it. We're certified like, now, guys. Oh, that was me. Doing is that THX. how they did the real one? Probably. Just a couple dudes. THX Let's do the Pixar right. logo now. Okay. <laughs> Who's got a lamp? All right. <laughs> nice. Okay. <laughs> that, was, that was good. <laughs> Any more logos? Come on. Come on. Let's do the DreamWorks. Here's one. Enjoy your burrito. Oh, yeah. Slide that shit in. Sit, boo boo. Sit. Good dog. Wrong. Bad robot. <laughs> <laughs> I might drop that in at the end. <laughs> okay. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. This episode of the Nerdist Podcast was kindly brought to you by Hover.com. Hover is domain name registration and management that is clean and simple. For 10% off your new domain, go to Hover.com, H-O-V-E-R.com slash Nerdist.